This is Roaring Light, your daily dose of faith, news, and community happenings from the staff of News Source One Mikiana, coupled with Christian independent artist music from Roaring Light Radio. So let's get ready to praise the Lord and smile the day away. The news is next. American Family News, I'm Mr. Pete. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has vowed to subpoena 51 former intelligence officials who call the Hunter Biden expose Russian disinformation in the wake of the Twitter files revelations about how the social media colossus censored the reporting. Those 51 intel agents that signed a letter that said the Hunter Biden information was all wrong, was Russia collusion, many of them have a security clearance. We're going to bring them before committee. Why did they sign it? Why did they lie to the American public? A clapper, a Brennan. Why did you use the reputation that America was able to give to you, more information, but use it for a political purpose and lie to the American public? House Oversight Ranking Member James Comer of Kentucky says the GOP now has sufficient evidence for the investigation into both the FBI and Twitter. The thing that concerns me most with respect to our investigation is what role did the government play in the censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop stories, especially the FBI? I wonder who else at the FBI has a pattern of suppressing free speech, especially in censoring conservatives. But will there ultimately be consequences? Fox News contributor David Webb. Well, that's the important question of the day and the important question that McCarthy and whatever the Republicans do in the next Congress once they're sworn in, what do they deliver? Look, 43 of the 51 were CIA. This was essentially a CIA operation where you have this letter. What did they have? They had the laptop before that. The FBI had the laptop. Who knew what and when? Realize that they weren't just doing this with a letter. There was uh, Supervisory Agent Elvis Chan meeting with Twitter with a team of agents. There were it was Facebook. There were a whole lot of things going on here to carry out what they knew was a fake Russia collusion story to drive this as a political weapon that could be used by Joe Biden in a debate with Trump. Not only did Twitter censor viewpoints they disagreed with, officials with the company lied under oath to Congress about it. Twitter dumps have proven that the social media giant blocked content from conservatives. Washington Times political correspondent Byron York. That's why it was called shadow banning. They were doing it and they were denying that they did it. By the way, they went to Capitol Hill and testified before Congress that they denied that they were doing it. And in fact, they were. There's just no, no doubt about it. Inside the company, they gave these processes kind of Orwellian bureaucratic names. It was visibility filtering. It wasn't shadow banning. It was visibility filtering. And the strategic response team did it and the global escalation team did it. Uh, so it was all kind of hidden in this bureaucratic process, but the whole point was to suppress certain types of speech, not all speech, certain types of speech, usually on the right. Dozens of public libraries across America are rejecting a book written by movie star and producer Kurt Cameron. The problem, say those libraries, is the book promotes biblical values. Cameron says he can't understand why libraries have a problem with teaching children about love and kindness. And when I wanted to do the book reading, uh, one public library said, no, um, you cannot read your book at our library because we are a queer friendly library and our messaging doesn't align. And I'm thinking with love, with kindness, with gentleness, 
uh, kids could really use those values today. After all, they're dealing with mental illness, drug overdose, cyberbullying, and school shootings. <laughs> yeah. And you'd think that their messaging should align with those things. But apparently, they don't. They said, you can fill out a form, you can reserve space, but we will not run your program. One uh, Alameda County library denied this book read by me about love and kindness while they're holding a gender name change clinic. Shares have fallen in Europe and Asia after last week's decline on Wall Street. Stocks closed lower on Wall Street Friday with the S&P 500 down seven-tenths of one percent after the U.S. government reported that prices at the wholesale level were 7.4 percent higher in November than a year earlier. More news online at AFN.net. I'm Rusty P. Fox Weather. Good morning. I'm meteorologist Jason Fraser, and here's the very latest from America's Weather Center. While the historic snowstorm that blanketed western New York may have ended, but there's still a small chance for seeing just a few flurries today. We should see the sun return for most of the northeast as well as the mid-Atlantic, but it's still going to be rather chilly uh, for those of you in those areas. But by tomorrow, we should start to see temperatures rebound. Meanwhile, it's going to be warming up across the central as well as the northern plains and the Midwest starting today and by Wednesday. We're expected to see high temperatures that are anywhere from 5 to 15 degrees above where they should be. We'll see some rounds of rain expected for the Sunshine State, mainly for those of you on the east coast of Florida. And that includes also those of you in Miami as well as Orlando. Get the very latest weather updates anytime, anywhere by downloading the Fox Weather app at foxweather.com. Hello, Michiana. Hello, United States. Hello, Southern Tennessee. This is Keith Hughes welcoming you back to this sporadic resumption of Roaring Light, your podcast of news and community information for Michiana in through December. And then starting in January, we're going to be focusing on both Michiana and Savannah, Tennessee, in this podcast that once I get settled into a house, it'll be coming out daily. But uh, I moved down here to the Savannah, Tennessee, Walnut Grove area. Walnut Grove, Tennessee is incorporated with Savannah. It is uh, about 18 miles to the southeast of Savannah, Tennessee, which is right at the point of the Mississippi Alabama state line where it touches Tennessee. The Battle of Shiloh of the Civil War occurred in this general area. Very bloody battle, I might add. I got a chance to tour the and visit the battle site back in 2020 on my first visit down to this area. But uh, my friends and I with Fishers of Men are getting settled in here. This is week number three, so I figure it's about time to start getting you... Uh, some podcasts. Now, I won't be doing them every day of the week again until sometime in January, but be also aware I got a a, a surprise to give to you. Once I get settled in, Roaring Light Radio will also be broadcasting its full playlist on a low-power Part 15 AM radio station somewhere in the Savannah area. And so Roaring Light Radio is going to be uh, ministering in full music almost to all the library within, I say, 95% of the library 
will be reaching out to the residents wherever I get settled in to a house, and that should be fully going there in in January. So uh, get ready for a uh, a big expansion to Roaring Light Radio. Unfortunately, I do have to let you know, I won't have a web set up to give you for that. So you'll just have the little radio station, but it's still going to serve its purpose. And we're going to be serving both you in Michiana and the folks down here in Savannah, Tennessee, here on the Roaring Light Radio side. As for New Source 1 Michiana, we're still doing great up there. And Roaring Light is going to be part of New Source 1 Michiana as well as Roaring Light Radio as it has since September. You're also going to be noticing a few new ditties as we go on. Uh, one of the new things is American Family Network. It's conservative news. It'll be our daily news in the first part of the podcast. And then we'll continue at news, uh, the news source group. Um PNS for its um, middle section, and uh, so there'll be some there'll be some new ditties that'll be added, um, and they'll be part of the podcast. Will serve for Michiana community news. Part of the podcast will serve for Savannah, Tennessee news. So it's going to be a, a big um, expansion here on your Roaring Light podcast. But uh, like I said, I'm still getting settled in, getting to learn the lay of the land. Still got a long ways to go. Don't have a job quite yet, but that'll be coming uh, once we get a house. Well, that's my update. We made it down here again uh, right after Thanksgiving, left on Black Friday night. So let's go ahead and continue on with the podcast with Michiana Happenings with Sylvia Stark. Looking to look for some Christmas lights? You can head over to Winding Burke Park over Mishpuck, Indiana for their gift to the community Christmas lights. They are recognized for the holiday decoration displayed by its residents every year at Christmas time. They have been fortunate enough in recent years to help others with their beautiful light displays. Through generous donations of the thousands of volunteers who drive through the neighborhood each December, we are able to contribute thousands of dollars every year to local charities. The local charities that will be supported this year are AARC, InSource, Children's Dispensary, Tri-Kappa, Trinity School at Greenlands, raising money for St. Baca Vocational Training Center, PHM Education Foundation, Family Justice Center, Blue Star Mothers, and they are asking everyone to please come out and enjoy our gift to the community. And this will take place on December 8th to 11th, as well as December 14th to 25th from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. Take care and have a wonderful day. for something fun to do this holiday season, here is another event just for you. You can join the premiere art at the Elkhart Learner Theater with Breakfast with Buddy the Elf. And this will take place on Saturday, December 17th, with the cost being $25 per person. 
per guest. And the times will be as follow. It will take place 9 to 10 o'clock, 9.30 to 10.30, or 10 o'clock to 11. If you would like to have breakfast with Buddy the Elf, head over to www.premierarts.org and sign up to get your ticket with Buddy the Elf. Take care and have a wonderful night. It's Christmas time All I see is heaven coming down All I see is heaven round and round All I see the angels flying round All I see it's Christmas time All I see is heaven coming down All I see is heaven round and round All I see the angels flying round All I the kingdom coming down All I see is heaven coming down All I see is heaven round and round All I see the angels flying round All I see the kingdom coming down All I see it's Christmas time
Greetings, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. It is the second week of Advent and we're considering the theme of God's steadfast love. And the Apostle John delivers a great message of God's love in 1 John 4, 9-11. He writes, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Friend, do you know that you're greatly loved? That is the message that so many in our world are waiting to hear. One of my favorite children's stories is called Somebody Loves You, Mr. Hatch. The main character is Mr. Hatch. He's a tall, thin man who lives all alone, and every day he walks to the shoelace factory where he works. He never talks to anyone. He always eats the same lunch all alone, a mustard and cheese sandwich, a cup of coffee, and sometimes a prune for dessert. His evening routine is to read the paper, eat a turkey leg, and then he always goes to bed early. But one day, his routine is interrupted when the mailman, Mr. Goober, arrives with a large package. And a surprise, Mr. Hatch opens it to discover a large heart-shaped box filled with candies. And it has a note inside that simply says, somebody loves you. Mr. Hatch cannot believe it. So he tries to pretend it didn't happen. He just tries to go back to his routines. But he keeps peeking into the living room to see if the box is really there. And finally, he accepts that it is true and begins laughing with joy at the discovery somebody loves him. So Mr. Hatch, he runs into the bathroom, puts on aftershave, and goes out and begins greeting his neighbors, hoping to find out who it is. The next day, he joins his co-workers for lunch, and he begins sharing his candies. Next thing you know, he's baking brownies, he's throwing backyard parties for the neighborhood kids who dance while he plays his harmonica. Mr. Hatch is actually soon helping sick neighbors and anyone else who needs a hand. Mr. Hatch is a changed man. And then Mr. Goober, the mailman, shows up. And he tells Mr. Hatch he made an awful mistake and accidentally delivered the package to the wrong address and he needs it back. Can you see a crushed Mr. Hatch as he hands back the heart-shaped box? And then, oh, don't forget Mr. Goober, he runs and grabs that little message and hands it to him and sa that says, somebody loves you. It's no surprise when you turn the page that Mr. Hatch returns back to his old life of loneliness. This children's story teaches us a profound spiritual lesson. We're able to love and serve others sacrificially only to the degree that we've appropriated that we're actually loved by another. My friends, this is one of the great secrets of the Christian life. It is only because we've truly taken in the message we're greatly loved by God that we can be empowered to live in a way that actually impacts our world. Now, wonderfully, Mr. Hatch ends on a happy note. When his neighbors see his reversion to his old self, they, they start talking, and so they decide they're going to wait outside his house with a big sign that says, Everybody loves you, Mr. Hatch. And Mr. Hatch steps outside and he immediately tears up and says, I do believe somebody loves me after all. And he smiles and he laughs and he goes back and joins his friend for a party. 
this is a happy ending, but it is nothing next to the gospel. My friends, I've been tasked to deliver to you the Christmas message that God loves you and he has kept his promise. God showed his love by sending Jesus to become fully man and then to die on the cross for us. And this gift of Christ never arrives at the wrong address. If you're hearing this right now, this message is for you. And it can never be taken back by any of your failures. My friends, somebody loves you. Joe Novison says, multiply the love that your family and friends have for you, then multiply it by infinity and stretch it to eternity, and you still only have a small glimpse of God's love for you in Christ. If we truly take that in, from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, what might the implications be in our lives as we wait and hope for Jesus' return? John assumes we're going to imitate this love. He says, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another because we have been greatly loved. We can live sacrificial lives loving others. So wouldn't it be great if others we shared this message with would come join us at that wonderful party. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. Now, the rest of the story. It is 1942. 1942, Bing Crosby just signed to do a new movie, a musical, and the composer had called a meeting on the set before filming was to start. This one composer always does this. He wants to demonstrate to director, cast, and crew how he feels that his songs should be performed. He even has a special piano, one with a special lever on it that slides the action back and forth, automatically changing keys without the player having to. It's a dilapidated little instrument, and the composer himself has a voice which carries nowhere. You almost have to hug him to hear him, but there he is, singing the score for the entire movie company. Well, Bing Crosby, the gentleman, listens patiently, but it's more than politeness. Bing can sing, but he can't read music. Did you know that? Bing Crosby could never read music. So he had to memorize everything. Well, one tune follows another, Crosby's sponge brain absorbing it all. Between songs, the composer hesitates and smiles. He says, I have an amusing little number here. And then the composer proceeds to sing it in his own high-pitched half-whisper. Some of the cast members wince. They can feel it coming. And they glance over at Bing, and sure enough, he is starting to scowl. Crosby, a staunch Catholic, is widely known as such. Anything even vaguely smacking of sacrilege does not fit well with him. The composer finishes the tune. What does everybody think, he asks. And Crosby is ice cold. An amusing little number, eh? But what's so funny? There are moments of painful silence, and then the composer continued to review his score, and afterward in private to producer Mark Sandrich, Bing Crosby announced that he would not sing that song. Sandrich knows well which song Bing means, and he apologizes if Crosby has been offended. But there's a big problem here, because a primary stipulation in the composer's contract is 
that nothing musical may be altered unless the composer himself does the altering. In other words, the song to which Bing objects must be sung. Well, I'm going to telescope what happened next. There was a lengthy argument, but finally Crosby reluctantly agreed to sing it. And now it's later. They're shooting the picture. It's time to do the controversial number. The composer, knowing that Bing is performing it under protest, is waiting impatiently on the set. Walter Scharf, one of the musical directors, hoping to avoid trouble, tried to trick the composer into leaving the place. The composer plays along, but then returns secretly and hides behind some scenery. If they're going to tinker with his music, he's going to find out about it. But what do you know? Bing sings it straight. And the movie is released, and more remarkable still, the amusing little tune catches on. It caught on because it's wartime, and American soldiers far from home considered it a sentimental anthem, one perfectly expressing their own longing. And when composer Irving Berlin wrote it, and subsequently when crooner Bing Crosby sang it in the movie Holiday Inn, neither man had imagined the ultimate impact that Bing's own recording would sell more than 30 million copies, that the tune itself would become second only to Silent Night, the most worldwide popular of all Christmas songs. The song the composer underestimated, the song Bing Crosby thought less than sacred enough for the Christ Mass season, the song that was almost stillborn was White Christmas. And now you know the rest of the story. The Public News Service Daily Newscast, December the 12th, 2022. I'm Mike Clifford. First to the state of Georgia, where a group says the outcome of the Moore versus Harper at the U.S. Supreme Court has potential consequences for future elections in the Peach State. More on that now from Daniel Smith. The high court has heard oral arguments in the North Carolina redistricting case, which includes a review of what's known as the independent state legislator theory. April England Albright with the Black Voters Matter Fund says if the court rules in favor of more, then state legislators would have unfettered control over how redistricting maps are drawn. She warns not all communities have fair representation when the maps are made by folks with political motivations. I believe that their mere acceptance of this case is another step towards trying to take away the vital protections that marginalized people have to build their political power in this country and change the quality of life of their communities. Backers of the independent state legislator theory believe each state legislator should have the ultimate power to draw voting district maps and regulate elections. Constitutional scholars say that isn't what the nation founders intended and that the courts should be able to play a role when things like voting district maps are challenged. And Arizona saw 15,000 more kids get health insurance between 2019 and 2021. That is thanks to the federal dollars that kept them and their families insured during the COVID-19 public health emergency. In a report from the Georgetown University Center for Family and Children, Arizona still sits more than three percentage points above the national average for the number of kids who are uninsured. Zeta Dadal-Piacora with Children's Action Alliance in Arizona says racial and ethnic disparities play a role in access to coverage. She says American Indians and Alaskan Natives did see important gains, but are not where they should be in terms of health coverage. Piacora says Medicaid and CHIP often help offset the structural issues produced by lack of funding in the Indian health services system. Medicaid and CHIP in particular can be a really important 
stopgap, especially in Arizona, where we see that American Indian and Alaska Native children are more likely to qualify for one of those types of coverage. Piacoro says she realizes the solution isn't to enroll everyone in Medicaid, but rather for the federal government to fulfill its commitments to tribal nations, one of which is helping provide adequate health care to tribal members. Piacoro says the pandemic helped to usher in changes that alleviated some of the family burdens that contribute to children being uninsured. One of those changes is the continuous coverage requirement, which meant people couldn't be dropped from the insurance rolls during the pandemic. I'm Alex Gonzalez reporting. This is PNS. Advocates for people with disabilities say lawmakers in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts must strengthen wheelchair warranty protections to ensure wheelchair users are not stranded, waiting weeks or even months for repairs. Consolidation of the multi-billion dollar wheelchair industry and the usual insurance hang-ups mean people can miss medical appointments or work, potentially costing them vital income. Harry Weissman of the Disability Policy Consortium says new legislation would improve the odds of getting repairs promptly when they are needed. There is this feeling that people are begging for their chairs to be repaired and the people who are supposed to be responsible for that and who are supposed to help them in this situation are nowhere to be found. Weissman says the Senate has already passed a bill to lengthen wheelchair warranties to two years. It would also force companies to maintain a stock of replacement parts to reduce wait times and provide replacement chairs while repairs are being made. I'm Catherine Carley reporting. Now to Kentucky, where rural households are grappling with financial stress that is disproportionate compared to households in other rural parts of the country. A report by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says medical, credit card, and student loan debt combined with household incomes significantly lower than the national average create the perfect storm for hardship. At the Bureau, senior fellow Sean Sebastian says one in four people in Appalachian, Kentucky, has a medical debt under collection. That's a quarter of people in rural Appalachian, Kentucky, who are dealing with medical debt collections. And we know that when people have medical debt collections, it has a cascading effect on their household finances in general. The report says people who owe money on past due medical bills have more than double the rates of delinquency on mortgages, car loans, credit cards, and student loans, compared to those without medical debt. Nadia Ramlagan reporting. Finally, our Mike Bowen tells us on the heels of last week's news that Minnesota's budget surplus has grown larger. There are renewed calls to approve free school meals for all students, regardless of income. Districts that participate in the National School Lunch Program receive federal funds to offer free and reduced-price meals to eligible students. A universal program asks the state to provide the remaining funds to cover all students. Colleen Moriarty of Hunger Solutions Minnesota says with visits to food shelves still trending higher, they want to ensure that children from those households have as much access to nutritious food as possible. Nutritious food solves a lot of issues. It doesn't solve all of them, but it breeds a more calm atmosphere, I think. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service. We are member and listener supported. We're heard on radio stations big and small. Your favorite podcast platform. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org. Kirk Cameron has denied a story hour slot by public libraries for his new faith-based kids book. This is Truth Itself. 
With a new children's book that celebrates family, faith, and biblical wisdom, actor-writer-producer Kirk Cameron cannot reach scores of American children or their families in many U.S. cities via the public library system because over 50 public libraries have either outright rejected him or not responded to requests on his behalf. A Story Hour program for kids and parents connected to new book releases is an activity that many libraries typically present to their patrons and communities. Many of the same libraries that won't give Cameron a slot, however, are actively offering Drag Queen Story Hours or similar programs for kids and young people, according to Cameron's book publisher and according to a review of the library's websites and current program listings. Some library programs promote gender fluidity, inclusion, and diversity. Others offer name-change clinics for older teens and adults who want to alter their official paperwork for gender identity reasons. Cameron's book publisher, Brave Books, has been unable to place Cameron into a public library story hour for kids connected to his new children's book, As You Grow, as of this week. One library told the book publisher bluntly, Our messaging does not align. When the publisher asked the library official about filling out the proper form to apply for a story hour slot, the individual replied, You can fill out the form to reserve space, but we won't run your program. Timothy Kroll from the Helios Projects says we've been called to train 3,000 untrained pastors around the world who have absolutely no Bible or theology training due to the fact they can't afford it. He said so far we have less than 700 who wait for training in 2022. Pray that we reach this goal. At trainapastor.com, $150 trains three pastors. That's trainapastor.com. You can see these stories and more on our website, truthitself.com. Truth Itself, news that impacts your faith, family, and country. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks, looking in more depth today at the U.S.-Africa Summit that is being hosted by the Biden White House later this week. The White House is poised to endorse proposals for the African Union, formally to become a member of the G20, an initiative floated by the presidents of South Africa and Senegal. But while the White House has, in the run-up to the summit, released a new strategy stressing the region's importance, analyst Jim Lindsay with the U.S.-based Council on Foreign Relations says it's not clear that this week's wooing of African leaders will amount to very much. Whether that wooing is going to succeed is a very big question mark. One obvious area for action would be trade. 55 African countries just formed the African Continental Free Trade Area, the largest free trade area in the world by the number of members. But Biden shows no interest in pursuing trade deals. One odd thing about the summit is that U.S. officials say that Biden will not hold one-on-one meetings with any African leader. The rationale is that too many leaders are in town and meeting with some and not others would create hard feelings. So the administration seems to be acting on the principle that if we cannot make everyone happy, we will make no one happy. And he argues that's a missed opportunity for a Biden White House that has spoken of the summit as an effort to amplify African voices in international conversations. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. I see people everywhere Walking up and down the streets Mailing pretty Christmas cards Decorating Christmas trees I wonder if they ever Think of what Christmas means And I just want 
to stop and say happy birthday to our King. So let's put Christ back into Christmas where He should really be. The one who left His glory home and died for you and me. And for a birthday present, give your soul for Him to save. There's nothing He'd love better on this Christmas day. Forget about that virgin birth of a child so pure and sweet. About the life he lived and gave that day on Calvary. They forget that he was sent here by God to set men free. They took him out of everything, but they can't take him out of me. So let's put Christ back into Christmas, where he should really be. The one who left his glory home and died for you and me. save. There's nothing he'd love better than this Christmas day. So let's put Christ back into Christmas where he should really be. The one who left his glory home and died for you For him to save There's nothing he'd love better On this Christmas day No, there's nothing he'd love better On this Christmas day Dios cuadro el lobo de nuestra cordera. Dios cuadro el lobo de nuestra cordera. Riu riu shiu la guada rivera. Dios cuadro el lobo de nuestra cordera. Dios cuadro el lobo de nuestra cordera. El lobo rabioso la quiso morder, mas Dios poderoso la supo defender. Quiso le hacer que no pudiese pecar, ya no original es tu virgen no tuviera. Riu, riu, shiu, la guada rivera. Dios cuadro, Dios cuadro, Dios cuadro el lobo de nuestra cordera. Dios cuadro, Dios cuadro, Dios cuadro el lobo de nuestra cordera. 
Esta que es nacido es el gran monarca, Cristo patriarca de carne vestido, ya nos redimido con serse chiquito, aunque infinito, finito se hiciera. Río, 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 la guada ribera. Dios cuando el lobo de nuestra cordera. Dios cuando el lobo de nuestra cordera. Join me as we continue our Advent series reading. Today we look at Luke 2, verses 1 through 5. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world shall be registered. This was the first registration when Aquarius was governor of Syria. Then all went to be registered to each his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to see of David, which is called Bethlehem, because of he was ha- was of the house and language of David, to be registered with Mary, he bethrowed, who was with the child. This is part of the story where we hear about Joseph. Joseph has yet has not seen the angel. He does not know that Mary is with child. So he's heading up to be registered. And go, Joseph is from Galilee, and so he's heading to Bethlehem because he is part of the language of David. And he has a register with Mary, but also with the child she is carrying. And so at this point, you hear Mary's story. Mary has her song. She sees Elizabeth. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin. And so, once Elizabeth, and once Mary enters the room, John the Baptist starts kicking at Zach, uh, Elizabeth's stomach, which he had to know the Holy Spirit was there. So they're cousins. And so they're going up to register. And whether or not we don't see why they don't mention Joseph's story in here at all before now, who knows. But as the story continues on, what you hear about, there is more stuff that's happening. And so are we going to hear about Joseph or are they leaving that part out? We've been spending quite a few days looking at Luke 1, where it starts off with the story of how Jesus was being born. And we start off with Luke 1, 20, Luke 1, 27, Luke 1, 27, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name is Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And so, the beginning of the Jesus story, Gabriel has a, has appeared to Mary and telling Mary that she is with child, and that God has found favor with her. But Joseph has not known this yet. The angel tells Mary she's not to be afraid. 
How would you feel if you were told by an angel that you were pregnant with the Lord Jesus Christ? She questions the angel Gabriel by saying, How will this be since I am a virgin? Which has heard the angel's response is, The Spirit will be upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born is to be called Holy Son of God. But she also finds out that Elizabeth is also conceiving a son who is name will be John. And then they skip over a few verses and they go directly into when Mary visits Elizabeth. The baby that's Elizabeth's womb is John, at least with joy. Did they know that Jesus was there? And then we go into a song of Mary where she praises the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they go into, they skip a whole entire section of the birth of Jesus. John the Baptist gets skipped entirely for this advent. The whole thing. And so they just skip that entirely for who knows what. And so then we caught up to today to where they are now being registered. But it appears that Gabriel has not attended, has not appeared to Joseph yet. Joseph does not know that Mary was expectant with the baby of the Holy Spirit. He's not know. And so eventually the story goes on, which you will hear the coming weeks until we get to the end of what's happening. There's a lot that has happened in this story. There's a lot going on. What we know is that Jesus is being born. He's coming. This Advent season is about waiting patiently for the Lord Jesus Christ. And depending on if you follow the traditional Advent, you learn about hope, peace, love, and joy. And different church congregations will break that down to different ideas of how to look at that. It's a time where we think of others as we wait for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so a lot of time churches will have five pilar candles that are lit each week where a family or such reads a reading, and that reading correlates to one of the candles. Or there'll be an activity scene, and there's no baby Jesus not in the activity scene. But on Christmas Day, he eventually makes his way to the activity scene. As you hear bits and pieces of the Christmas story, there's a lot of unknowns. How did the Holy Spirit who is God, entrust his life into Mary, body, who is a virgin, also Joseph is a virgin. And so, how did that happen? We don't know how that happened. And so, of course, you're going to be terrified. You're going to be petrified because, oh, there's no way I could be pregnant. I'm a virgin. We still don't know what Joseph's story yet. So eventually, will we know Joseph's side of the story? We will know Joseph's side of the story. If you're familiar with the Christmas story, there's a lot happening in that Christmas story. From Jesus being born, to Gabriel showing up to Mary first. Why does he appear to Mary first, not Joseph first? We also don't know. Like you're, They usually don't talk about the birth of John the Baptist, which is a critical part of the story. Did Elizabeth's baby know that... The Holy Spirit was there at that time? We don't know. 
But based on the reading, we can think that, yes, he did know because the baby was leaping for joy in the womb as soon as Mary entered. And so stay tuned as we go more into the Jesus story and how it transpires, transpires to who we are now. So continue on this Advent season, thinking of ways that you can pause for Lord Jesus Christ. Take care and have a wonderful day.